The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Hello, welcome to Truth Transforms. I am Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today we are continuing our series on the keys to the kingdom, which is based upon Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. I've already gone through most of chapter 5, and but I have a couple of more verses to finish today, and hopefully we can get started on chapter 6 today. Again, if you have questions, though, about anything that I'm teaching, I would like for you to call 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489, so we can continue to dialogue about this, so you can get your breakthroughs. Uh, insights, revelations, or realizations, so you can take this information and then go and live the he- healthy, happy, and prosperous life that you are intended by God to live. So let's get right to it. I left off last week talking about um, divorce in the in the Gospel of Matthew, and again. Because this is a new thought show, obviously I'm going to give culture and context, but I'm always going to go back to the metaphysics and make sure that we understand what it means f- from the standpoint of consciousness and consciousness development, universal law, divine principle. So I'm going to give the cultural context, but then I'm going to get to the practicality of the message. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 31 through 30 and 32, it says, but it also said, whoever divorces his wife, let, a, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, little Jewish background. According to Jewish law, a man could divorce a woman rather easily. Women were considered property and the husband actually purchased the bride or the woman from the father. Uh, men could divorce women for many frivolous reasons. So when you read statements like this, you have to realize the context of the statement. We're not talking about two people who dated 
um, who have equal rights, who have equal opportunity far as livelihood, finances, and et cetera, uh, owning property and things of that nature. We're talking about, to a certain extent, property law issues. And what this law, oh, let me add also that a man could ha- can marry as many wives as that he, that he could <laughs> take care of. And even in, in some of the cultures, like when you read about Abraham and, and Jacob and some of the other Hebrew patriarchs, they also had, they also had babies by the, the servants of the women, the handmaidens as they call them in the Bible. So, this is really, really a patriarchal society. So we're not talking about a woman having any level of equal rights in biblical times in Israel or Judah or Palestine. So when you read laws like this, you have to realize maybe what's being said is not being said. Now, this is something that I picked up from Dr. Rocco of a good friend of Christ Universal Temple and uh, Aramaic Hebrew and Near Eastern Bible scholar who was on the show last month. If you didn't hear it, make sure you do. That show was absolutely fantastic. But anyway, according to him, if Jesus actually said this the way it was said, what it actually did was it protected women. Because if a man could divorce a woman easily for almost any reason and she couldn't go work, she couldn't go make a living on her own, that meant she had to go back to her father if he was alive or if not a male relative, if she had any. If not, then it was possible that she could, you know, even have to resort to being a harlot. That Many times in the Bible, that's where how that process got started. So basically, by telling a man to when he marries a woman that he's married to her actually protected women in Jesus's day so it's actually in this context it's possible it possibly could be a pro-woman statement and I know we normally don't look at it like that because if you could because a woman couldn't dismiss a man she couldn't divorce a man but a man could divorce a woman for almost anything so when Jesus actually says that once you marry her she's yours that actually protected women it, it financially, socially, uh, and and gave them rights that they didn't have previously. Now, let's take this a level deeper, metaphysically. Divorce is releasing one's mental attention off of an old thought or mental pattern. Conscious mind is considered male, and the subconscious mind is considered female. So what we have to learn how to do is sometimes actually divorce our conscious thought, our attention off of what we don't want and marry it or connect it to what we do want. So many times, you know, we're marrying or attaching our minds to things that are not for our highest good. So what is needed in that process is a divorce a divorce from the belief, a divorce from the concept, a divorce from the ideology. Because once the divorce happens, now you're single and you can attach your mind to something else. In New Thought, many times we call that putting something with your I am. Anytime you use the words I am, never use it with something negative. So like I am is your first name and what you put after I am is your last name. So you always want to say I am whole, I am you know, love, I am peace, I am joy. What are you doing? You're reaffirming or 
reaffirming by putting your attention on those positive aspects that you want to express in your life. Hopefully that explains that for people. Moving right along, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said of those ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your hair, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one or from evil or whatever, depending on the translation. What is the context? In many Near Eastern cultures, vows were made in the name of God to sell goods and negotiations and in general conversation. There were no standard prices for items, so many times people would exaggerate while bartering. Jesus is telling people to be direct with their speech. In other words, you know, you start talking about, I swear this on, on my grandmother's grave. And you know how people go on and on and on. He said, no, let your speech be yes, yes, or no, no. It's no reason to um, use a b- whole bunch of hyperbole. It's, uh, it's, it's not necessary to lie and exaggerate. It's not necessary to um, to put all of this extra stuffing inside of what you want to say in the first place. Just let it be direct. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Now, what it means when it says it comes from the evil one means that when you're not being direct in integrity with your speech, basically you're coming from a state of consciousness that's trying to manipulate. Because when we're trying to create a, um, uh, what do I want to use? When we're trying to create a, a context to uh, use and abuse someone or to get what we want, uh, even if it harms someone else, we're not coming from a place of love, peace, wisdom. Uh, we're not coming from a, a place that is representative of God. So we need to be firm in mind and speech. Say what we want and then be clear about what we don't want. It also means that you deny what you don't want and affirm what you do want. Because yes, yes, and no, no could also mean denials and affirmations. No to what you don't want. That's a denial. Yes to what you do want. That's an affirmation. So the process of using affirmations and denials, which I taught in a previous show, I'm not going to go into great detail into that right now, is simply coming from the standpoint of when something comes into your experience, you have the right to say no to it. I don't want that. I don't want to express that. I don't want to engage in that. And just because somebody else wants you to engage in it don't mean that you have to engage in it. Two totally different things. So keep that in mind. And yes, yes just simply means that when a situation and circumstance comes, just because you're already one with God and you're a spiritual being and you're an image and likeness of God and all of that doesn't mean that you benefit from that truth. You have to say yes to it. So what affirmations do is it helps you get firm in your mind what is already true in God. Affirmations don't make a thing true. Affirmations just acknowledge what is already true and it is your acceptance of the good that God has already prepared for you. All right, moving along. So it says in verses 38 through 42, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. 
But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse any anyone who wants to borrow from you. Now, some of this stuff is what we would call metaphorical language. And we have to be clear on that. Jesus is not saying just give everything that anybody's ever given to you away. First of all, he's taught, he, he deals with the eye for an eye and two for the tooth mentality that many people have. When he says, you've heard it said eye for an eye and two for a tooth, and then he tells you to basically turn the other cheek. Learning to turn the other cheek implies that we always have the choice to handle the situation from our human side or from our spiritual side. What does that mean? From our human human conditioned thinking or from our spiritual thinking or awareness. We always have that choice. Sometimes we don't think we do, but we always do. We might not be even aware of the spiritual side, but it's always there because we're spiritual beings. It also implies that we should nip in the bud or not feed into drama that others are attempting to create in our experience. So turning the other cheek, according to Dr. Rocco Erico, again, it means nip it in the bud. So if people are bringing drama to you, nip it in the bud. Don't feed into it. Don't allow yourself to be pulled into something that is easier to get into than it is to get out of. See, because many times situations can be trap doors and you get into a situation and before you realize that you're knee deep in drama, when really all that needed to happen was you nipped it in the bud and said, you know what? I'm not engaging in that. I'm not getting into that argument. I'm not getting into that fight. I'm not going to uh, return that energy with the same energy that's being brought to me because I don't have to engage in that. I can keep it moving. And I know that that's a way of thinking that we're normally not used to doing. In other words, we've been conditioned that when people bring it, you you give it back. But Jesus is saying that there's a higher way. and I'm suggesting that that when you realize that you don't have to engage in mess, you and what you have to address and what you're responsible for, you can address. But you don't have to address it from the same level of consciousness uh, that was presented to you. You can come from a higher level of consciousness and transcend it, still transform it, still address it, still address your responsibilities without getting caught up in the drama. Also, the part about um, the Roman soldiers, about anybody asks you to go one mile, go a second one. According to Roman law, Roman soldiers could make a non-Roman citizen carry their luggage for, for one mile. So if they were on the road, they could see somebody on the side of the road and say, hey, carry my luggage. But the second mile or more was not required by law and actually the, under Roman law the soldier could get in trouble so when Jesus says go one if he asks you to go one mile go two that means he's trying to get the bag off of your shoulder because he knows that he can you can only go one mile if he discovered that he's abusing the law then he could uh, could have been re- reprimanded but let's deal with this deeper from a metaphysical level 
Going the extra mile is a mental position of freedom from thoughts of oppression. So when you feel as though, man, I don't have to do this and why me and et cetera, when you get up and you go actually the extra mile, you actually transcend what is required. So you're actually giving it. Not, it's not being required. Two, when you go the extra mile with anything, you actually separate yourself from the majority of the crowd. If you want to be highly successful in a thing, one of the ways you can do it is go the extra mile. If people are reading one book a month, you read three. If people are going to two training seminars a year, you go to four. You go, you do the extra mile so you can set yourself up to be successful in ways that others aren't. That's highly important. And what right now, as you as you look at your own life, ask yourself in what in what ways and what aspects of my life can I go the extra mile? In my job, at my job, in my marriage or relationship, with my family, with, you know, my, where I volunteer, with my church, whatever. Where could I go to where or what possibilities for me to go the extra? Where, where are the possibilities for me to go the extra mile? And really just lean on that. And then if it's something that you feel as though you're led by spirit to do, do it and be committed to it. And how are you? How will you know you're committed to it? Because you'll tell somebody else you're going to do it and you'll put it on your calendar and you'll make it happen. One last thing about this quote. It says, if anybody wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. Uh, that part was based upon the fact that, you know, in, in those cultures, many times they wore several layers of clothes, sometimes all of their clothes on at the same time. So when people will try to take what you have, uh, he was saying, take all of it off, which would embarrass the person because in that culture, obviously the, the body, even to this day in some mid, mid, uh, middle Eastern countries showing skin and flesh and body is shunned. So you would embarrass the person who was actually, uh, requiring that of you. But what does it mean deep at a deeper level? When, when, you are dealing with people again with the energy that they're giving. You can strip yourself off of those moods of or or, or attitudes or emotions that are not for your highest good. When they want to come and they want to you to engage, you know what? Just release it and let it go, and let and and let them keep moving on. You want to you want to argue? You want to be right? Fine. God bless you. Keep it moving. Take your cloak cloak off of that. Again, sometimes in the fight to be right stops you from what you have to do and get done. Sometimes the fight to be right. Now, I'm not saying that there are not times when you got to make a stand. There obviously are stands, but it's the consciousness that you come from when you make that stand that matters. Because if you're too busy fighting, you're not building. Now, and always remember, you can't build and be at war at the same time. Our, our nation and economy in the United States is dealing with that same concept right now. You can never build and be at war at the same time. You're doing one or the other. Now, we have to take a quick break with uh, um, momentarily. I would like to hear from you at 888-558-6489. Give me a call. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. 
Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed and there's no other door in sight? In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that Everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I want to remind you before we get back to teaching uh, the lesson that Unity Online Radio is supported by your love offerings, your donations, your financial gifts. So please uh, give as you have received. It's a donate button on the website. You can click on it uh, and do whatever you have to do. I'm sure it's a way if you want to, to be able to write a check and mail it to Unity Online Radio. I'm sure it's a way to do that as well if need be. But the main thing we want to be able to do is continue to support uh, people around the world who might not have access to this type of information. And the only way they can get this new thought message is by clicking on uh, Unity Online Radio and receiving the new thought message that we think can transform the world. So please give. Also, a reminder that you can watch Christ Universal Temple's live stream every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. The Reverend Derek B. Wells is preaching. Um, He's a magnificent preacher. He's the senior minister of Christ Universal Temple. You will love him. Without a doubt, if you haven't had an opportunity to hear him, make sure that you check out this Sunday from 10.30 a.m. to 12 
noon central standard time check out christ universal temple check out our marvelous choir get an opportunity to see how our ministry works and again to hear an opportunity to hear a powerful new thought message from our senior minister the reverend Derek b wells all right back to the to the sermon on the mount it goes on to say from in excuse me matthew Chapter 40, chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, this is one of those statements of Jesus that uh, you don't hear a lot in Christian circles. Unfortunately, you, you can watch a lot of TV and listen to a lot of radio and a lot of websites and et cetera. And people never get around to love your neighbor, you know, and love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, that's a very, very powerful statement. What is it saying? Loving your enemies means that you should practice unconditional love to everyone, knowing that love will only draw unto you what is for your highest good. When you pray for people who you think are against you, and, and let me be clear when I say pray for, not pray about. See, we pray about a lot of people. We rarely pray for their highest good. See, many times, you know, when we think that people are against us, we, you know, we'll pray that they be removed. Uh, the, uh, we pray like they're an obstacle instead of they're an in, uh, instead of the fact that they're an individual. What we have to learn how to do is stop thinking of them as our obstacles and start praying for their highest good. Because if they're functioning from their highest good, guess what happens? They'll get out of your way. When you pray for their highest good, they get out of your way because when the highest good is or the presence of God is in any experience, anything that uh, inhibits that process is removed. So what has to happen out of that process is when you love your enemies, you're practicing unconditional love, which brings the grace of God into an experience and transforms it. But it also does something to your psych- psychology because what when we are resistant to something, we're actually f- fighting it. Um, what we have to use by force, we have to continually reinforce. So the moment you take your hands off a thing, it's going to run or going to do its thing anyway. So what we want to do is be able to transform the experience and actually pray, pray, pray for, not pray about. People who we think are in our way or situations that we think are in our way. That Your enemy could be your body that you think is sick and it's against you. Your body isn't your enemy in it at all. Never was, never will be. But if you have that mindset, it matters. So it's important for you to be able to pray for your body, not about your body. Thank you, God. I pray that every cell, muscle, and tissue is is empowered by the presence and power of God, God's life, God's love, God's substance, God's intelligence, etc. You're praying for your body. You're praying for 
your your spouse. You're praying for your children. You're praying for your co-workers. You're praying for your local or national politicians. You're praying for an issue, not praying about it. In other words, as as is stated in the book of Ezekiel, when uh, the 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 spirit of the Lord was speaking to Ezekiel and he says, can these bones live? And he says, of course, these bones. He said, you know, Lord, he said, and the Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. In other words, speak life, speak the word into the experience. And that's what we have to learn how to do. Speak the word into that which is dead so it can come alive. All right. Now, let's take it another level. Love and forgiveness does not imply that we should reconcile with people or support erroneous positions. See, the reason why many people can't don't like to talk about forgiveness, because for many people, forgiveness means reconciliation. Okay, in other words, go back to the same ill treatment or to the person who treated you poorly. No, that's not what it means. It means that you freed yourself mentally and emotionally from the situation and experience. It does not mean go back. I use this example when talking about forgiveness. I use the example of, of when people ask me, how do I know if I've really forgiven? I normally say, um, especially if it's a lady, I'll ask the question. Uh, I ask, are you a mother? If they say yes, I say, do you remember? childbirth then normally they'll laugh say yes and I say well um do you remember that it was painful and she'll say again after laughing yes then I'll say are you in pain anymore or are you still in pain and all of them say no then I'll backtrack forgiveness is you remember it the situation the person the experience you remember that it hurt and you're not in pain anymore. You know you're forgiven. Because if you're still in pain, you're still holding on to it. It's pretty much that simple. So as the process of working through forgiveness, forgiveness is a process of letting go of the error so we can take hold of the truth. The truth, which is what? Forgiveness is completely within my own consciousness. It has nothing to do with anyone else. Nothing to do with anyone else. Also, perfect love means to complete, to be complete, mature, and all-inclusive with your love. It means to be, see, when we say be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect, it doesn't mean our relative perfection because there's no such thing as relative perfection on the on the physical human side of life. What is perfect? You know, you say oh, Michael Jordan was the perfect basketball player, but he missed 50 percent of his shots. You know, you can say um, a young man who just won a triple crown for baseball. I can't remember his name offhand now. He he was the best batter in average, had the most home runs and the most runs batted in. But you know what? You can get in the Hall of Fame as a baseball player hitting only 300 or three out of 10 of the hit uh, of the times you come up to bat, getting a hit three out of 10 times. So let's just be clear. Perfect means to be complete, mature, and all-inclusive with your love. Be complete 
be mature, be all inclusive, even as your father is complete, mature and all inclusive. I love all inclusive because just as God's love is all inclusive. So, too, is our love. Or should be our love. It should be all inclusive. So if you have any questions about that part, please give me a call at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. We're going to transcend over now to chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will will reward you. Now, what is this saying? You don't have to parade your religious piety around for others to see. And when you help others, you don't have to tell everybody about it. See, many times, you know, unconsciously, we can make a show of our religious beliefs and it shows up as piety. In other words, I have to let everyone know that I'm holier than them and I, you know, et cetera, instead of being the example for your teaching. You know, being non-resistant, being loving, turning the other cheek or nipping in the bud, being the positive space, being the influence of wholeness in an experience. Because when we're that space, then we allow our demonstration to be our conversation. Because as the paraphrase Ralph Waldo Emerson, what you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. What you do speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. So it's important for us to realize that we don't have to parade our religious piety. We don't have to impose it on others. That's tough. In other words, but let me be clear about this. You don't have to be around anything that you feel as though isn't for your highest good. That's not being pious religiously pious that's being smart if people have ways or habits or they're into things that you aren't into then it should be no reason why you are engaging in things that don't feed your soul that you have issue with that doesn't mean you have to be in argument or confrontational about it it just means that you know what i don't do that I'm not about that. You know, one of the things that that children have to learn is, you know, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it because peer pressure is not just a, a thing that happens to teenagers. It happens all the time. It's called mob mentality. You get into a situation, experience, and people will do things in a mob that they normally would never do under normal circumstances. We have to make sure that we are not being moved by other people's influence. So we have to, that's when we take our stance for integrity for our own lives. But taking a stand for our own lives does not mean that somebody else has to live it according to your way. Also, 
the universal law of God will bring back to you all the good you have sown in lo- to life or into life. For every cause, there is an effect. So what is it, what is this saying? So it says, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, you don't have to make a parade about what you do and how you give and et cetera. If you, you know, if, if you're a tither or give it to a church or a volunteer and organizations, et cetera, what you give will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over as long as you're open and receptive to it. Because some people are givers, 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 and then are open to the universal law bringing it back as reward. So, you know, I tell people all the time, um, you know, say, for instance, you go to lunch with somebody and you say, you know what? Hey, this is on me. Oh, no, I can't let you pay for that. No way. And I'll normally say, hey, how can you, you know, how can you ask God for abundance and you can't accept a, a, a lunch? So that makes a difference. You know, you see somebody and they have a you know nice outfit. Hey, you know that that that's a great outfit that looks good on you. Oh, this old thing. Oh, you know, oh that's a nice hairstyle. Oh, you know, I just put it together. Again, you want millions, but you can't accept a compliment. See, it doesn't add up. So, so yes, the universal law will bring it back to you, but you have to be open and receptive to the universal law. So, what you do in secret, be open and receptive to what will happen in the open because the blessings will come back if you're open and receptive to them. But again, next time somebody says, Hey, let, now don't, don't go to lunch thinking somebody's going to pay for your lunch or your dinner or your breakfast or anything else. Always be willing to pay for what you desire. Always be willing to pay for what you desire. The issue comes into play is when somebody wants to bless you, allow it. As long as it's an integrity. In other words, somebody's not trying to buy you off, bribe you, influence you, manipulate you. As long as you know there's something in integrity, there's nothing wrong with it because you're allowing them to practice the universal law of giving. And you're practicing the universal law, the other end of it, which is receiving. So when you stop them, you're actually interfering with their flow and your flow. So keep that in mind. Allow yourself to be the blessing and allow yourself to be blessed as well. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Now, again, I want to remind you that you can call me at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. You know, if you have any questions about any of the material that has been given today, I want to make sure that you are out there getting it, not just listening to it, but getting it. If you have questions, you can con- contact my Facebook page, True Transforms at, excuse me, True Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. The email address is given during the commercials, so you can contact my email address as well. I want to make sure that you know that you can reach out if you so desire. We want to make sure that this information is not only accessible, but practical. Because I believe when it's practical, you can then take this information and go immediately apply it to your life and get demonstrations because Emmett Fox says there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. When you get it, it shows up. When you get it, it shines forth. I want you to be, to shine because you know that the presence and power of God is within you. So we're going to take one more break before the show is over and do this last segment for today. So we'll be right back with you 
where truth transforms. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Transforms. Um, we had a call that called during the break. Uh, are you still on, Stephanie? Yes. Okay, how are you doing there? Could you ask the question again, please, so I can address it and the other listeners can benefit from it? Yes, this? I was just um amazed that it it uh, it really clarified things when you said about the uh, the childbirth and then the forget the analogy with forgiveness mm-hmm. and it really helped me out a lot to understand what is forgiven and what's not forgiven and i have a situation that is still very painful for me and was very traumatic and i i'm wanting to to get to the forgiveness quickly and i i don't know exactly how to do that okay well well first of all thank you for your question and and i will address it um obviously you know this will be a a a bridged answer based upon time and context sure first thing is separating um what happened from the meaning you give it or you gave it Uh uh-huh okay that's the first thing okay what do I mean by that? A person did this, this, and this. Okay. 
for me, that means this, this, and this. Now, the facts is what happened. Internal. So what does that what does that look like? For instance, um, I I can be walking past somebody, I speak and they don't speak, and depending on where I'm at, I can mean that that person's rude, that person's disrespectful. People walk past me all the time and act like I'm not there, etc. And then starts pulling up other stuff that has nothing to do with that experience. So we have to be clear on first of all, what are we making it mean? Because inherently, the experience only means what it means to you. In other words, uh-huh. in other words, when you give something a meaning, uh, it takes a life of its own. Um, it's a story about a, a, a soldier in World War II, a Japanese soldier. I want to- uh, and his his. Um, when the war was over, he was still on duty. So when the ships came, the Allied Forces ship came, he got his machine gun. He started shooting at the ships. Uh, they didn't, they, you know, they, when he ran out of ammo, they came up. They arrested the man, brought him in. He thought that he was still at war. Now, what does that mean? You had an experience or a situation, a circumstance. Immediately, it is given a meaning. This is what it means to me. It hurts. It's painful. It's disrespectful. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I have these judgments based around it. And based upon these judgments, this is how I'm going to behave. So not only did you make a judgment, you also or, or gave it a meaning, you have a behavior that was created out of that judgment. Are you following me? Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Now, with that judgment and behavior, the behavior won't get you what you want. Because what ends up happening is the behavior hurts you and it hurts the whole experience because there can be no healing when you make a judgment or give a meaning to something. And then you have behavior that's consistent with that meaning. So so what has to happen? Let's just be clear. A couple of things. This is what I tell people to do. And I want you to Google this. uh, So if you have a pen, uh, I want you want you to Google. I, I can tell you process or I could just have you do something. So I'd just rather have you do something, okay, if that's okay with you. Okay. I want you to Google unity and then I behold the I behold the Christ in you prayer. Or, or unity, I behold the Christ in you. It's on unity's website somewhere. And it was a prayer made by I behold the Christ. In you. I behold the Christ in you. Okay. It's a poem. And then the poem is broken down into like four pieces. It starts off like, I behold the Christ in you. In you, the light of God, I see. I behold the Christ in you. I can see you whole and free. What I want you to do is print that out. And the person or persons or the situation or experience that you are struggling with, I want you to put a right above every part or stanchion of the paragraph. So if it's four parts, I want you to write it for the name of the personal situation four times. You, are you following me? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. So, say if, it, if it's Jeff, I behold the Christ in you, and you the light of God. I see. Then the next verse says, Jeff, I behold the Christ in you. I can see you holding free. Jeff, you know, I, I see. I behold the Christ in you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you speak the word for it. I mean, literally, say it out loud. Hear your own ears. Hear it. And you're actually over and over again affirming 
the truth about the situation and the experience behind the facts. Because the truth is God is everywhere in presence. So good is present. But you have to behold the Christ consciously. So what you're doing is you're shifting your attention off of what happened to what you desire, which is to see it's your blessing out of the situation. But first thing you got to do is you got to shift it from victimization to empowerment. That's one level. Then I want you to print out a second sheet and I want you to put your name above each part of that prayer or poem and speak it out loud, affirm it to yourself while you look in the mirror. And every morning and every evening when you uh, when you get up, first thing, look in the mirror, say to yourself, Stephanie, I behold the Christ in you and you the light of God I see. Stephanie, I behold the Christ in you. I can see you holding free. Stephanie, and whatever the prayer goes, wherever it's a, it's a break, put your name in it. Every night before you go to bed, say the same thing. What are you doing? You're shifting your attention because you're doing two things. One, if, if, if you're beholding the Christ in yourself, then the Christ in you can't be in pain. The Christ in you can't be in lack. The Christ in you in you can't be sick. The Christ in you can't be frustrated. The Christ in you can't be angry. The Christ in you can't is not dealing with all of those human emotions that are based upon the judgments and meanings that we get ourselves. Two, you're now reevaluating and you're doing what Joseph did with his brothers when he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You're actually calling forth the blessing out of the experience you consider negative. Now, I know this could be traumatic because I've had this conversation with people who've had some serious situations going. They had family members murdered. They've had they've had sexual abuse. They've had many things. What I'm saying is even in the midst of what you would call the most horrendous human experience, you can behold your empowerment by affirming and putting your attention on your spirituality and stop playing the victim because whatever happened, you can't go back and change. Now, I'm going to give you one more statement that I want you to contemplate on. So you got those two assignments, right? Right. Okay, I'm going to give you one other thing. This is a statement that was made by Gerald Jampolsky. And the book is called Forgiveness, the Greatest Healer of All. Forgiveness, uh-huh. Greatest Healer of All. The, the the author is Gerald Jampolsky. But it's a quote in that okay. book that I want to write down, and it is this. Forgiveness means giving up all hope for a better past. Forgiveness is, well, I say forgiveness means giving up all hope. For, I think that's, if it's not exact, that's the gist of it. Forgiveness means giving okay. up for a better past. Because okay, I got happened, it. You got it. And I want you just to pray on that statement. Okay, how in your mind are you going back trying to make it something that it's not or people who they're not? The the situation in and of itself happened. It's in the past. It's perfectly what it is and it's perfectly what it's not. They're perfectly who they are and they're perfectly who they're not. You can't go back and make it something that it's not. You can't go back and make what they said different than what it was said. But you can make it. But you cannot. You can claim your power over that experience by realizing that you give it meaning completely and nobody else gives it meaning. And for you, if it doesn't mean anything other than that was what was said and that's what was done, and I and I lovingly accept it as it is. Do you catch what I just said? You accept it yeah. for what it is and you move on. 
One of the okay. main reasons why we don't allow forgiveness to happen because we can't accept it. You have to accept it. That happened. It happened. Okay. Happened. Yeah. Not what the meaning is. Separate. You still got to separate that. But what happened, happened. Forgiveness means giving up all hope for a better past. You release it and you let it go. So you have some steps now. You have some tasks you can do. Now you might ask, how long should I do these prayers? You'll go back to the analogy of the pregnant woman. That's how long. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling in. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I, oh, by the way, where are you calling from? Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I've never been there, but that sounds yeah. like a... I listen continuously. <laughs> well, thank you. And God bless you. Thank you for calling and keep doing the work. God bless you. Thank you very much. All right. Well... Next week, we're going to finish chapter six. We're going to deal with the Lord's prayer, uh, prayer in, G- in general, kingdom of God, etc., etc. I have a whole lot of material on the Sermon on the Mount. I want to uh, also let you know that on December 8th, I'm go- doing a seminar called Prepare for Your Good. And it will be live streamed at www.cutemple.org or Christ Universal Temple's website. It will be uh, what we call a pre-burning bowl workshop or what I'm calling pre-burning bowl. We have a a service every January at the beginning of the year where we release the past and we embrace the new year. And so I'm doing some prep work for that that process to make sure that people fully embrace it. Um, it's, it's our most popular service at Christ Universal Temple. People fly from out of town to come to it. Anyway, it'll be live streamed from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, if you're in the area, please come out. I'll have handouts. I'll have some special dynamics to going on for people who are in-house. The people who are not in-house, you'll be able to follow the program online because I'll have a PowerPoint. So I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to go into the new year with power. So give yourself that opportunity. Again, it's December 8th and also on December 16th, Sunday, December 16th from 1030 a.m. to 12 noon. I will be doing the lesson sermon at Christ Universal Temple that Sunday morning on uh, the metaphysical interpretation of the Christmas story. Finally, I also forgot that I'm, this is a busy month for me. For those who are in town on December 12th, I will be doing the Wednesday evening service, Bible 365. I'm going to be doing an introduction metaphysically to the book of Revelation. So I'm busy right now. uh, So keep up with my busyness. Um, It's a pleasure working with you all. Please continue to listen and let other people know about it. We'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, and her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan, show you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week, they'll entertain you with the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Their guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to tread. How's life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for spiritual coaching, creating a vibrant life. Each week, Carla visits leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred place to dialogue about real life and real-world transformations. That's spiritual coaching, living a vibrant life with Reverend Carla McClellan, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.